0: from the east. I'm your host Pia and with me is um still alive Alex, someone who's battling some kind of um ghosts.
1: Alex. <laughs> no appliances have tried to kill me yet today. Like which of the Hindu pantheon god is in charge of like accidental deaths by appliances, but he needs to chill. <laughs> I'm not ready yet. Hi. <gasps> Hello. Hey, how are you? Hi,
0: Alex. That was a lot. That was a lot of uh, <laughs> strange information without context <laughs> for our listeners right off the bat.
1: I'm like still coming off the adrenaline. What's going on? Uh, A refrigerator tried to murder me two days ago when we were supposed to record originally.
0: Coincidence? Not. I don't think so. Something's up. Something's
1: up. What you do, Alex? The North Koreans. <laughs> They hacked your fridge to follow her on you. Yeah, I was about to make some risotto, you know, having a nice evening, getting into my little cooking rhythm. And I closed the freezer after getting something out of it. Here a lurch. My mom's right there. Mm-hmm. The refrigerator just comes toppling down. Big thud, pans everywhere. And this is not a small fridge. I've seen pictures. No.
0: How tall is that thing? Like eight feet?
1: Well, it's like one of those Ikea fridges in a cabinet, not to throw shade at Ikea, but also like, come fix my stuff. They are not going to anytime soon. Oh my gosh. Shade, Ikea, (laughs) and also Zoom. All of these companies need to just chill. So apparently
0: your floor is uh, slanted or tilted or something because it's
1: how old? Like 400 years old? Yeah. So I think we've mentioned this. I'm in this like centuries old Normandy building. Mm-hmm. 14th or 12th century. I can never get it quite straight, but and all the floors are not quite flat. Um but I think it was ghosts. 12th century?
0: That's like 800 years, Alex. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my god.
1: It's old. It's probably 14th.
0: Well, that's that's still 600 years. That's still old. Yeah. Whoa. So I think it was ghosts. It's probably like ghost hackers, like combined. With these powers combined, go. they can do anything. <laughs> I'm going to stay away from my electric appliances for the next
1: couple weeks in case uh, they're on the attack. I'm so paranoid now. You got to watch out. Um. Yeah, it's a new week. I
0: am just coming out of a cold yet again. This is what happens when you have kids. Oh, no. I think... After this cold, I have rock-solid abs, like my man, Jesus. (laughs) Because I've been up coughing all night for the past three days, doing crunches in bed all night, just coughing my lungs out. That gave me some nice uh, lower-ab workouts.
1: We need to start that YouTube channel. (laughs) What do we do there? Cough fitness. You're sick?
0: Guess what? That's no excuse to be laying in bed. When you're sick, get ripped.
1: I don't know. We will work on the marketing. There's something there.
0: It's a unique uh, workout. Viral workout.
1: Oh, that will be a truly viral workout. <laughs> <laughs> We're good with <laughs> the puns today. So, speaking of dying, yeah, insert very uh, clever segue to the subject.
0: We're going to do a case from the 80s. Yeah, today's story is one that will fill you with a mix of sadness, but also pride because it is one where a woman took on deadly terrorists. And along with 13 members of her flight crew that day, they saved the lives of nearly 360 passengers.
1: Okay, here is the segue, Pia.
0: Go, go ahead. Let's hear it.
1: Get ready to be afraid of things that shouldn't, cause you fear, normally. Like refrigerators and airplanes.
0: There we go. (laughs) There we go. Today we're doing an aviation true crime case. I won't call it a disaster because it it could have been even worse. But the situation was saved by the heroic actions of certain people. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Cool. I call this episode Terror on Pan Am Flight 73. Our Hero of the story today is Nirja Banot. Nirja Bhanot? Nirja. Bhanot. Mm-hmm. The main sources for today's case are the New York Times, BBC, The Print, and various news articles and videos I found along the way in my research. So there's so many articles all over the place. It is a very famous story, and it does take place in Pakistan.
1: Okay. Pakistan airspace or
0: literally on
1: okay. land. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm.
0: Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on the 5th of September, 1986, Pan Am Flight 73 was flying its typical route from Bombay to New York via Frankfurt, Germany, but only after a stop at the Jinnah International Airport in Karachi, Pakistan. That's kind of a long... uh, flight, right? Like that sounds like a shitty flight
1: plan, but it's the 80s. So maybe that was like an amazing one.
0: I'm sure people back then would be excited at the thought of an even longer (laughs) flight to get somewhere. More cigarettes and alcohol. What's not to love? (laughs) Flying then was a novelty and almost like an amusement park ride, I'm sure.
1: (laughs) Also, there was leg room and free booze and I don't know, luxury. It was probably cool. Comfortable, not unpleasant. Yeah, they may have
0: had, like, belly dancers and, like, jugglers and all kinds of entertainment.
1: Right. Oh, what did they have for entertainment? No tiny TVs? There were no tiny TVs. What were they What were <gasps> they entertaining them with? Just, like, a jazz band in the back. I'm going with jugglers and belly dancers. That's probably what happened. I like that, too. Yeah, yeah it has to be on theme with wherever your layover country right.
0: is. <laughs> the doors of the Boeing... 7- Is it boing or boing? Boing.
1: Uh, Let's go with boing. 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 (laughs) Sounds so stupid. (laughs) The boing. The doors of the boing. I'm not saying this.
0: (laughs) Let me Google it. It can't be that stupid sounding. It's bowing. Bowing. Okay. Like a bow and arrow. Okay. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But it's spelled more like Boeing. Right? Why is there an E in there? It makes no sense. Uh, this is where we crowdsource our info from listeners. Why is it Boeing? Why is it Boeing? Boeing <laughs>
0: Okay. The doors of the Boeing seven four seven were opened. Air stairs were attached. You know those um rolling oh, yeah. stairs that you attach to the planes? Actually, this stuff doesn't even happen now in most airports. You just have that little connecting thing right from your gate. You never even see the The outdoors. Yeah, the tube. The caterpillar-looking tube. I
1: don't know. I've been bussed around a lot lately, but that's because I'm taking the cheapest of the cheap flights. Oh. The stairway to heaven is only for like super, super duper economy flyers. $50 tickets. Yeah, exactly. Which also don't exist in America anymore, so yeah.
0: Those air stairs were attached to the plane and 109 passengers got off at Karachi, Pakistan. So I guess they were just flying from Bombay to Karachi. And other local Pakistani flight crew and passengers came on board for their routine checks and tasks and stuff. So people got off, people got on. Okay. After fresh passengers boarded the craft, the total headcount was around 379 that morning. And I say around because every single article I read gave me a different number of the total amount of people, total amount of survivors, total amount of victims. And I don't know what is going on. It's not that hard to count people, especially after a major event like this. But they just can't seem to agree on a number. They say 379, 380,
1: 390, 400. I'm like, what's going on? Maybe they weren't counting children. So like some sources are not counting children as entire people or like old, you know.
0: I did read that. I did read that. One place said uh, 359 passengers and nine infants. Are they suitcases? They are people too.
1: (laughs) You have to count them. What the heck? 3.7 people.
0: So around 6 a.m., a van with flashing lights and sirens came speeding onto the tarmac. Van? Two men dressed in airport security uniform jumped out from the van, armed with assault weapons. That doesn't sound like good news to me. No. They started shooting into the air and also shot recklessly all around the tarmac to clear away anyone that was near the plane. Two Kuwait airline mechanics were killed in this gunfire. Oh, shit. On hearing the gunshots, the flight crew on board Pan Am 73 sensed something was terribly wrong. Obviously, you don't expect to hear gunshots outside your plane. But they're trained for this, right? Every single flight crew member is trained for hijacking and any kind of weird situations like this, which is so interesting to think about. It's not a regular 9-to-5 job, although it seems quite mundane and ordinary. But you and I, when we work 9-to-5 jobs, we aren't given training for how to hi- handle terrorists and hijacks and things like that.
1: It's just airline hostesses and teachers for kindergarteners. Very interesting that they both require training for hostage
0: situations.
1: It's terrible. I don't want to get into it, but it's just, it, that just sucks.
0: Very, very ironic, isn't it?
1: Yeah. So,
0: sensing something terribly wrong, 22-year-old Nirja Bhanot, who was the head purser, Or the Chief Flight Attendant. What was that title? Head purser? Head purser. What the heck is a purser? This is the first time I heard that term myself as well. But it means Chief Flight Attendant. So she's the boss on board the plane. After the pilot. Pilot is the top boss. After that, it's her. Okay. So she was at the door greeting new passengers. So when she saw the gunfire and the men rushing in, she leapt towards the intercom. But one of the attackers pulled her back by her hair. So they had already (gasps) breached the aircraft. They had come in. They pulled her by her hair. By that time, she screamed out the secret code for hijacking, Mm -hmm. which was heard by all the other crew on the plane as well. And so another flight attendant, Shireen Pavan, heard the code and immediately punched it in to their emergency system. Wow. And this alerted the cockpit crew. So within seconds of the men arriving on scene they were able to tell the cockpit crew that this is a hijacking situation. Okay. Now, this is very crucial and key. And I would call this a turning point in this entire event. Yeah. So in a matter of seconds, as the desperate crew tried to shut the doors of the plane, the hijackers barged in, now accompanied by two more men, dressed in the traditional local attire of a Salvar camis. So two were in okay. security uniforms and two were in the local mm. Salvar Kamiz attire. So one of these guys had a waist belt, around his waist, obviously, loaded with some kind of plastic ammunition. It looked like small plastic explosives. And the other had a briefcase, which was later found to be full of hand grenades. (gasps) They were armed and ready to create chaos and unleash the worst streaks in humanity. The hijackers were named Zaid Hassan Safarini, Jamal Rahim, Muhammad al-Rahayal, Muhammad al-Munawar. Now, these are not their full names. They have many more names in their names, but I'm not going to bother to say it all because they don't deserve that respect. These attackers were members of a Palestinian terror group called the Abu Nidal Organization, which was active in the 70s and 80s. These four men had one goal, to hijack the plane, fly it to Cyprus, and demand the release of their group members imprisoned in Cyprus and Israel on various other murder charges. So this is how they went about doing it, which is a lot of work. Yeah. If you really want to get them out, why don't you go to Israel and do something there?
1: Yeah, this is very diluted or convoluted.
0: Now the whole point of this ordeal was to fly to Cyprus, negotiate the release of their friends. To fly this plane, they would obviously need... A pilot? Exactly. Now, one of the hijackers put a gun to Nirja's head. Safarini, the head terrorist or the lead terrorist, he grabbed another flight attendant named Sunshine and demanded to be led to the cockpit or Nirja would be shot.
1: Sorry, back to the point of, like, this seems like more work than it's worth. Couldn't they have picked a smaller plane or, like, you know, something something easier?
0: Um, you know, if we were terrorists, maybe we would have better ideas or we would be dumb enough to know what they were thinking. But it makes no sense to us. I don't know what their logic was.
1: Maybe they thought it would be easier to, like, sneak in if they hijacked a plane full of people. It was, like, more leverage.
0: I'll mention it later, but this is not, like, a lone incident. They did have plenty of precedents. Okay. Okay. In similar situations for similar goals. So Sunshine, the other flight attendant, she led Safarini there to the cockpit. And as he broke down the door, he was shocked by the empty seats that lay bare, just staring up at him. There was no one in the cockpit. It was empty.
1: Where was the
0: pilot? Where were they? Because Nirja and Shirin had sounded the hijack alarm within seconds of the men arriving... The American cockpit crew comprising of three pilots had immediately followed protocol and fled the plane via an overhead hatch. They were gone. So now, Nisha Bhanot, 22, and with just six months of flying under her belt, was the next in charge, or the in charge, on the aircraft. The hijackers didn't even seem very savvy and were Unfamiliar with the aircraft in general. Unlike other modern cases where hijackers are very familiar with the plane and they even go through some kind of training to learn how to fly the plane and operate things there, back in the day, I guess in the 80s, they just didn't bother. So they ordered the flight attendants to herd the passengers to the middle of the plane and huddle together and kind of do whatever they needed to do in the plane. All 379 Of them sat on the floors and aisles, frozen in terror and wishing that this was all just a horrific nightmare that they would wake up from any minute. But it wouldn't be it wouldn't be that quick. It was going to be a long ordeal.
1: Again, I just feel like talking about this sort of stuff, especially given like the world right now, Mm -hmm. it's very triggering and it's just so scary to imagine. And yet it's so possible. The crazies are just multiplying. Exponentially, it seems like, but.
0: And getting activated. Like, they may have been here all along, but all of a sudden they seem to be active. Right. Outside on the tarmac, Pan Am's Karachi director Viraf Doroga used a megaphone to begin negotiations with the hijackers. He told the four men that the airport authorities were looking for pilots to fly them wherever they needed to go, but they needed time for that. Mm. The Pakistani authorities knew. If they provided any pilots to the plane, it would be gone out from under their watch and could possibly be forcibly crashed into critical buildings or exploded mid-air for maximum effect. Yeah, They instead chose to wait it out and hope that with time the hijackers would give in, perhaps grow tired, wary, rethink things, or negotiate to let some hostages go. At least the women and children, right? Now, I mentioned before, I'll tell you about some of the precedents. So this wasn't an isolated incident of hijacking in the region or by this group, by the way. So 10 years ago to that day, on the 5th of September, 1976, exactly 10 years to the day, Palestinian hijackers had taken control of a plane over Nice, France. Oh, with 80 passengers on board. They flew it to Cyprus, then to Tunisia, to Israel, and back to Cyprus. So they're just hopping all over
1: the place. For
0: why? For why? Demanding the release of eight of their incarcerated peers.
1: Okay, okay, gotcha. So they're just stalling.
0: In that incident, after being grounded on the tarmac for four hours, the attackers gave up and they let the hostages go after they were assured that they would be given a separate plane to escape in alone.
1: Okay. Were they? (laughs) I
0: I couldn't find too much more information about this. (laughs) That's it. That's where the story ended. That hostages were let go. Case closed.
1: Yeah, they're probably like blown to bits or something. Once you get the hostages out, it's like... Hostages are out. Blow them up. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. But 80, okay, back to that point again. 80 seems a lot more manageable than 300. Yeah.
0: Those are smarter hijackers. Yeah. So perhaps the Pakistani officials thought a similar strategy would work in their favor as well, right? We let them wait it out, they'll get tired and let people go. Yeah. Now, Nija and her flight crew tried their best to keep the passengers calm. They kept a level of professionalism, even in times of grave danger. And this kind of reminds me of... The Titanic, where apparently the band was playing as the ship was sinking just to keep people calm. Right. Yeah. That's what it reminded me of.
1: It's just lucky that the people who could keep their, like, shit together were also the flight attendants. That is very much probably a requirement of the job.
0: (laughs) They select people who are able to keep their calm. They're not just selecting the prettiest, but the prettiest and most able to do that job. Right. Right. Now, this wasn't Nirja's first bout with danger and hardship. Born on 7th of September, 1963, in Chandigarh, North India, to mother Rama Bhanot and father Harish Bhanot, who was a Bombay-based journalist working for the Hindustan Times, two elder brothers, Akhil and Anish Banot, who doted on her and always supported her in all her ventures in her young life. They all lovingly called her Lado which means beloved one, Lado. After the family moved to Bombay, she finished schooling from a very prestigious school called Bombay Scottish School and went on to complete her college education from St. Xavier's, also in Bombay. Both of these are very well-established institutions, like Bombay Scottish is like where all the celeb kids and stuff go to study nowadays.
1: How Scottish is it? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe they do the jig there too. Do you have to learn Scottish English to go to the school? When you're at the school, do you come out with like a bit of a Scottish accent? Because that sounds great.
0: Or maybe every morning all the kids get a shot of scotch.
1: Yeah, there you go. Some haggis in the afternoon. That's how you start your day.
0: So once in college, she was spotted by a talent scout and landed several modeling contracts owing to her striking beauty. And that X factor that she possessed. Some people just have it, you know, that je ne sais quoi. Yeah. Well, Nirja had it. Just look at her pictures and you'll see what I mean. Let's do that, okay? Okay. In some ways, she seems very normal. And then you see, like, there's something about her that just seems special. Okay. Here's Neerja.
1: Oh, wow. She could be a Bollywood star.
0: Right? Like, I feel like yeah. she could have been like a Bond actress, like a, you know, a Bond girl. Totally. She's totally beautiful. Yeah.
1: Beautiful. Like, crazy. This is the, the 80s, like, flight attendants for you, though. I mean, mm-hmm. you almost had to be a performer and have this sort of look, I feel like, as a hostess. Hostess. Mm-hmm. during that time period. Wait, is that a stamp with her face on it? Yes. Is this because she is a hero? Mm-hmm. That's cool. Good for her.
0: We typically never talk about the looks of any victim or survivor because it's not important. Yeah. It, it really doesn't matter. But here I'm talking about it because it was part of her life and her journey. Because she was so striking and so beautiful, not only physically but also as a person. Mm -hmm. She made a career for herself in a very short duration. Because of that brilliance that jumps out at you through the screen, a smile so bright and sincere that you would certainly buy whatever she was Mm advertised. She had over 20 print and TV ads. And she was on the face of several popular magazine covers within literally a few years. So she started modeling when she was like 18, maybe 17. And in like three or four years, she was a supermodel in Bombay, which is not an easy feat by any means. Yeah. But just as she was starting to spread her wings and fly, her father found her a suitable groom and arranged for her to get married. No! Back in the day, modeling, acting, blah, 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 were not considered honorable professions really. So her family was supportive and they nurtured her fiercely independent spirit. But they did live in Indian society and perhaps feared her modeling career might jeopardize her marriage prospects in the future, which is why they arranged this thing for her. Mm-hmm. And this was through an ad in the paper. That's how they found the groom. Everyone was shocked when the Bhanot family Sherni, or tigress, agreed to this marriage. Nirja loved her father and trusted his decision, so she agreed to do it, which was a shock. She was 20, 21 years old.
1: I mean, I don't want to get into the whole goat value system, but by normal, like real life, what a human being is so a very young age.
0: So she got married and moved to the Middle East. I believe Sharja in UAE with her new husband called Naresh Mishra. I want to say that name. Naresh Mishra, remember that name. Naresh Mishra. Naresh Mishra. A practical stranger, really. And there all hell broke loose. Alone and cornered, this Shirni spirit was broken by her husband, who tormented her by starving her, locking her in her room, abusing her. Yeah, like emotionally manipulating her, demeaning her, and demanding dowry from her parents.
1: Oh, damn. (sighs)
0: They made a bad deal. All in all, a total piece of shit husband, I think. Yeah. Naresh Mishra, you trash human.
1: (laughs) Go find a trash can and live in it, Naresh Mishra.
0: So he wrote several letters to voice his displeasure on her failings as a homely wife. (laughs) She was a career woman, right? She wasn't up to speed on how to clean and cook and do all the other things. (laughs) Which is fine. What's the big deal? You learn. You live and learn. You adapt. And also, why isn't he doing any of these things?
1: What a nerd. Writing a letter about that? Like
0: He wrote several letters to her and her father. Complaining to her father like, this is what your daughter's failing to do.
1: That's some big loser energy. Some BLE.
0: I'll read a little bit of that letter. (laughs) I know it's yeah. not like important to this story.
1: But Lay it on me.
0: I felt like we should we should hear it.
1: We need to play a tiny, tiny violin song.
0: Take charge of the house. Cooking has to be done whether you work or not. You have to be quiet and well behaved. A wife has to accept the husband as he is. <sighs> okay. Modeling and fashion shows are unacceptable. But you can work as a computer programmer. Oh. oh, I can? You can. I thank you. <laughs> what Asshole. if you're like modeling for computer programs? <laughs> How's that? Does that work? naresh Mishra. <laughs> you have to forget your father's home. If you don't accept these conditions, we will separate, it
1: said. Oh, no. I separate. You're going to leave.
0: Well, see, he's using it as a threat because he knows back in the day in Indian society, a divorced woman won't be considered equal to any other single woman, right? Her
1: marriage prospects are now going to be worse. Well, I know that's the way that it was, but nothing could be worse than being married to that guy.
0: Yeah, that's why I wanted to say his name.
1: Except maybe like being on a hijacked plane. That's probably worse. But that guy, he's a strong second for being the worst.
0: Well, Nirja wasn't taking this bullshit. So within two months, somehow, Ninja fled to Bombay on the premise of completing her final modeling assignment. And she just never looked back.
1: Love that for her.
0: Mm-hmm. She divorced this garbage human. And with the full support of her loving family, she looked forward to making a meaningful and successful life for herself.
1: Yeah. God, she's a boss boss babe
0: shortly after she was helping her friend apply makeup for an interview one day and she convinced nirja to apply for the job as well which is so cute like when i think about this moment it literally sounds like an 80s movie like teen movie scene so this job was for the all indian crew that pan am had announced for their asian flights that year in 1986 out of 10,000 applicants, Neerja was one of 80 selected. And I'm sure that was no accident. She was a supermodel and they're like, yep, we want her. She was sent to Miami for training and as a testament of her excellence, within a short time she was promoted to head purser, or basically the top boss of the flight crew at the tender age of 22. So she's, she's
1: just excelling
0: all over the place.
1: I'm not sure that inspires a lot of confidence for me. Like, I don't know. I don't know.
0: I mean, the reason we're talking about her today is because she was capable.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. For sure. Like, age doesn't matter if you've got your shit together. Even if you don't have your shit together, age doesn't matter. Whatever. I don't care.
0: The 22 of 1980s is not the same 22s of 2022. This was not Nijar's first time having to make tough decisions, right? We've seen she had a Difficult life early on. So, after four hours of waiting on the tarmac, the hijackers grew wary and angry at the lack of response from the Pakistani officials. They singled out an Indian American, 29 year old Rajesh Kumar Patel, and made him kneel in front of one of the airplane doors. They then opened the door and warned the officials that if no pilot was sent in 15 minutes, they would kill. Rajesh. And when no pilot came, the hijacker shot Rajesh point blank and pushed his body out the door onto the tarmac below. Rajesh was born in Kenya, Africa, but he lived in Orange County, California with his parents. And he had only recently become an American citizen just two months before he took this flight. He had come to visit his 80-year-old grandma in India, and he was taking her and his aunt back to the U.S. on this ill-fated flight. Rajesh Kumar lost his life on the way to the hospital.
1: Wait, so his grandma was also on the flight?
0: Yes, his 80-year-old grandma was on the flight. This is a sidebar, but I tried to look up as much information as I could about Rajesh and what was going on, because he was the first, right? Yeah. He was the first one that they killed on the plane. His grandma didn't make it back when all the other survivors were sent back home. His grandma wasn't on the plane and his family was wondering where she is. They were told the next day that she had actually died as well. They couldn't find out if she died as a result of the event. Did she die of natural causes? They were not given enough information. And the worst part is that her body wasn't sent back. What? What? They just cremated her body in Pakistan. What the hell happened?
1: Oh.
0: This is very disturbing for traditional Hindus, right?
1: Totally.
0: You want to make sure that your last rites are done in accordance with your beliefs. Right. So they were very, very upset about that. And I couldn't find any more information about what happened. But it's just, you know, those little things. It's really weird. Weird and terrible. This brutal cold murder rattled everyone on board and on ground. Mm -hmm. The hijackers meant business and were clearly not afraid of killing innocent people to get what they wanted.
1: That like question mark of will they actually do anything? Is this actually happening? That question mark gets pretty much burned up at that point. You're like, okay, we're in hell right now.
0: Seeing no other way but violence as a means of communication, the hijackers demanded that Nirja and her crew collect every passenger's passport and hand it over to them. Why do you think they were doing that?
1: Uh, to see if they look like anyone? To steal the passport? Um, to no. hold those people hostage even more?
0: Yes, kind of, yeah. So, Niaja realized that this was being done so that the terrorists could target and kill American citizens.
1: Oh, okay. I see.
0: On I great risk to their own safety. The flight crew collected all the passports, but successfully hid all 43 passports of Americans on board. Okay. So this was also apparently an idea that Neerja had. Hours passed with many more threats to the safety of passengers. The hijackers decided that they would start killing British citizens because they couldn't find American passports.
1: Second best. haha. British.
0: Just kidding. Thankfully, they did not follow through. Their feud was with Israel and its main backer, America.
1: The US. Best
0: of pals. So every few hours, Savarini would either take Shireen or Sunshine, the flight attendants, Mm -hmm. up to the flight deck or cockpit and use them as human shields to look out and scope out what was going on outside. Mm. He kept asking them if they could spot American fighter planes. That's a bit...
1: Uh, Self-important, I guess.
0: 379 passengers on flight 73 were hanging on with bated breath for nearly, guess how many hours? 72. Oh, that's too much.
1: 16 hours. (gasps) Oh, no. I mean, that's 72 plane hours. And in that situation, God, it must have felt like forever. To soothe them. Nirja and her flight crew, including Sunshine,
0: Shireen, Nupur, Dilip, Masi, Madhavi, and others, they served the frightened passengers coffee, sandwiches, and whispered words of comfort to them, assuring them in those dark, uncertain times. I'm sure those small but precious treats made a world of difference to the passengers. Again, they're still doing their duty, they're doing their jobs even under these circumstances. Yeah. And there were several unaccompanied children on that plane, which is horrifying to me right now as a parent thinking about that.
1: Yeah, never letting the kid fly ever again. So even as she served
0: coffee, Neerja was thinking ahead. She tore off her copy of the plane's safety manual for the emergency exit door operation and hid it inside a magazine. She then handed that magazine discreetly to a man seated at the emergency exit and asked him to read the magazine carefully. Okay, interesting, secret
1: communication.
0: Yeah, the hijackers are watching them like, what are you doing? Don't try anything funny. So she hid it in a magazine and she's like, oh, here, you're bored, read a magazine. But it had the emergency instructions on how to open the door, the exit door. When the pilots had evacuated the plane, they had left the plane's engines on as per protocol so that the lights, air conditioning, and other vital systems could continue to function for the people on board. But after 16 hours, the plane's power source started to dwindle and the AC turned off around 9.30 p.m. The emergency light strips came on, which are very dim. So essentially, the plane was plunged into darkness. The hijackers feared that the Pakistani army had sabotaged the plane and commandos were about to enter the aircraft. This is what they thought.
1: They're very paranoid and they think that they're a really big deal.
0: I won't say it's unwarranted what they're thinking. possible that this was going to happen. It's just that that's not what actually happened. Right. It just said the batteries ran out and <laughs> the power ran out.
1: Yeah, but it's like they're looking for American fighter jets and they think that there's like some super high tech ops that's like counter hijacking the plane. It just feels very like delusional in a sense. But I think you have to be sort of delusional to do something like this to begin with.
0: They agreed. So they kind of feared it's all gone downhill. This is it. This is the end. Yeah. And they started whatever their plan B
1: was. Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, no. I don't know what that's going to be.
0: One of the men shouted out a prayer. Then he raised his gun, aimed it at the explosive belt on the other hijacker. They were going to die in a fury of flames and kill everyone on board (sighs) with them. Uh, Okay, Batman, you can't see in the dark, dude.
1: Oh, yeah, I forgot about that completely. Okay, so he's shooting blindly into the dark, having his moment. He missed,
0: obviously, and
1: only a small explosion rang out, which filled the cabin with smoke,
0: debris, and absolute mayhem. Okay. Angered by their own incompetence and failure, the men then aimed at the passengers and recklessly started shooting. Little streaks of gunfire shone in the dark cabin, as screams of pain and terror fill the air. This was it. The moment that will decide if you live or die. What do you do? Where do you go? Remember, all these people are sitting in one big huddle in the middle of the plane. And then people start shooting at you. It's going to be absolute chaos. Stampede. Yeah. So sensing this as the last chance of freedom, Nirja rushed to one of the emergency exits and opened it somehow, but the inflatable slide did not deploy. oh Another exit was also opened by some but again, the emergency inflatable slide did not deploy.
1: What's going on with the, the freaking slides?
0: They're not working.
1: Oh, is it because the plane is, like, out of energy? Is, maybe. is there some maybe electrical mechanism that's supposed to... Mm, oh, shit. That's a design flaw. And people are desperate. They don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're just like, get me out of here.
0: Many people rushed out, falling 20 feet onto the tarmac, breaking bones and injuring themselves oh. in a bid to escape certain death. Yeah. A lot of the passengers and crew huddled on the wing of the plane, which was a few feet away. They jumped and made it they landed on the wing. If they didn't, they landed on the tarmac. Mm. They saw another emergency exit open up. And this time, the inflatable slide deployed. Finally.
1: Why did it have to be the last one to open that the slide works? Like, what is that?
0: Allegedly, this exit was opened by the man that Nija had handed the operating manual to.
1: Oh, okay. I mean, I don't know if that's has anything to do with anything but it's interesting
0: well he understood the assignment
1: as the kids would say (laughs) for real
0: (laughs) he did it right
1: so do we think this was user error is why the slides didn't work no we don't know we have no idea
0: i watched this youtube video of someone who covers true crime cases and she is a flight attendant herself she mentioned that there are two modes Manual and automatic. When you open these doors, and if it's manual, the slide does not inflate. Okay. Because when you want to just open the door, you don't want the slide coming out every single time, right? Like when you're attaching the stairs and things like that, you don't want the slide come. Could be operator error, like in that situation. You're not thinking straight anyway.
1: Yeah, you're just opening the door, trying to get it open.
0: Flight attendants Dilip, Shireen, and others who were standing on the wing at that time with other passengers, they saw that slide open. And they went back into the plane to help more passengers slide down instead of jumping off the plane from the other two exits. So they went in looking for survivors and helping people knowing fully well that the hijackers were still inside and shooting. Which is so freaking brave of them. Like, this is some next-level shit. I know. Yeah. At this point, they're behaving like soldiers. Seriously. It's crazy. They found Nirja near the emergency exit with multiple bullet wounds to her shoulder, neck, arm, and abdomen. <gasps> no! She was bleeding profusely, but she was still kind of hanging on. She was barely alive. She could have escaped when she opened the exit because she was the first one to open the exit. But she didn't. Right. She chose to stay back and help passengers escape. Some say that she caught those bullets shielding three children from gunfire and that the terrorists finally grabbed her and shot her specifically. Yeah. Because she had been the face of the flight crew and maybe like a proxy to the officials, right, on the ground. Mm -hmm. And so they made it Mm -hmm. a point to assassinate her. Dr. Kishore Murthy, a survivor of the Pan Am Flight 73 hijack, recollected Nirja Bhanot's murder. In a Times of India report, I saw her getting shot. She was shot in the head, point blank. Sitting in the sixth row from the front, I saw her during her last moments. So someone did see her get specifically being singled out and shot. They knew who they were killing.
1: So this was after she had been shot in the shoulder and neck and stuff. They went and like shot her. Yes. In the head, I guess. Yes. Mm -hmm. Fatally. Oof.
0: The Pakistani army's special forces stormed the plane soon after and caught all four of the hijackers alive. A fifth terrorist, who had provided ground support for them, was caught later. They were all sentenced to death, but eventually got life terms instead. Don't ask me why. Pakistan is a funny place when it comes to dealing with such dangerous men. So now comes a kind of fuzzy gray area where nobody is quite sure of what happened to these killers. Yeah. I'm just going to mention whatever I found in news reports. And these are from CNN. And I'm hoping this is exactly how it happened. Apparently, one of them, the lead terrorist, Safarini, who had killed Rajesh Kumar. Yeah. He was set free in 2001. What? No. Why? Don't ask me. You have to ask Pakistan. But swiftly, he was caught by the FBI in Bangkok just before he was catching a flight to Jordan.
1: They shouldn't. If you're going to set him free, he does not get the right to ever go on a plane again. No. Okay. No. No, no, no. This whole situation. I
0: think maybe they were waiting to see who he was meeting up with mm-hmm. to see where he was going. Because then you know where the rest of the gang is. Yeah. Okay. So in 2005, he was tried in court in the U.S., in D.C. And a very angry judge sentenced him to 160 years in prison in the Supermax Federal Penitentiary in Florence, Colorado. So that's where he's sitting today. Okay. He's in a
1: jail. Yeah, I mean, don't love taxpayer dollars paying for that, but...
0: So he's in solitary. Pure hell. Safarini said he was remorseful from the depths of his heart for what he did. But the judge said, I don't buy it. Yeah. You are a coward and a cold-blooded murderer. And this is better than you deserve. So victims and relatives of the deceased passengers had traveled from all over the world to testify at that trial. So they might have felt a little vindicated with this massive sentence. Mm-hmm, He's never mm-hmm. getting, getting out. Mm-hmm. The four other men were released in 2008. Okay. Just released. Some yeah. say escaped. Something that shouldn't have happened either way, but did yeah. in Pakistan. And they were allegedly deported to Palestinian authorities, despite the protests of the United States and the Indian government.
1: Okay. I don't
0: know about you, Alex, but I'm baffled. These are two very powerful countries, the US and India, with uh, very elaborate special forces and elite intelligence agencies.
1: Uh-huh. How did they just let them go? Yeah conspiracy corner time mm-hmm. they were you know again trying to follow them for leads on bigger targets
0: they gave them like coupons to whatever's the shittiest food stall in Pakistan and hope they get death by diarrhea or something <laughs> I don't know <laughs> <sighs>
1: Oh, maybe they like made some sort of secret agreement and they gave up a bunch of information. And part of that agreement was to turn them over to the Palestinians.
0: Yeah, like moles. They were double agents now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm, Possible. I
0: like I like this idea, too. Since at least two Americans were killed that day, the FBI is legally bound to keep their case open and pursue them till these four men are confirmed dead or captured. Okay, so they, they can't just close the case. Uh, the U.S. Department of State has offered a 5 million U.S. dollar reward oh. for information on these terrorists.
1: Well, Bangalore hackers, you, you got your next target. Go find the, go find the terrorists. <laughs> Make yourselves useful. <laughs> Five easy million? Go <laughs> find these guys. Report them to the FBI.
0: Um, so the FBI released age progress pictures of these men in twenty eighteen.
1: Okay. So I guess
0: they're still trying to look for them, or at least pretending to.
1: It's probably a very passive looking, you know, they can just sort of punch that little program in, update the photos. Done. No. We're done for yeah. the for the decade. Yeah. We did our we did our search for now.
0: So in twenty ten, news reports claimed that one of these five terrorists, Jamal Saeed Abdul Rahim, was killed in a suspected U.S. drone strike. Okay. January 9, 2010, in North Waziristan Agency, which is a tribal region of Pakistan. Who knows what happens? I, I, these drone attacks, just, they're bad news.
1: Don't care
0: who you're trying to kill. Innocent people always die
1: doesn't make me happy to hear that that's a possible outcome it does make me think of some sort of another conspiracy theory some sort of like hunger game scenario where they put like trackers in them mm. and then see where they end up and then they do the drone strike based on like if they end up somewhere that they think other terrorists are
0: I just I can't stand the idea and the reality of wars. It's just it's terrible. We have to stop.
1: It's um it's Bastille Day here in France. What and is that? It, I I it, it's well. Oh no! Don't ask me. Okay, wait. Wait. wait, wait. Look at we we're just gonna patch in the part where I know what Bastille Day is about. What I do know is is that there's a big military parade in Paris. Mm-hmm. Um. Even here in Normandy, they've had the, like, fighter jets and warplanes flying over. It's an important moment in history, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah, blah. I don't like it. I have no interest in, like, war parades or seeing fighter jets in the air. I think it's a weird, twisted, like, psychological thing where you're like, nationalism, patriotism, but also be afraid because at any moment we could just drop bombs on all of y'all. They don't just look cool. They are death machines. Yeah, not about it. Don't like it.
0: Our planet is suffering. We have slowly set ourselves up for extinction in yeah. the not so distant future. Do we really need to be killing each other? Especially over like imaginary lines of control in the sand.
1: How do we start talking about this?
0: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think the drone strikes. The drone strikes. Oh, yeah. Drone
1: yeah. strikes. It doesn't make me happy to hear that that was, that's possibly an outcome.
0: Coming back to our case, 22 people died that day as a result of the terror on Pan Am Flight 73. But more than 350 made it out alive. And that's a huge number.
1: That's thanks to these amazing flight staff.
0: Now, it is difficult to determine with absolute accuracy the exact events that took place when Neerja died because some said she was shielding three children, some said she was already hit and lying on the floor. We don't know. That's not important. What we can be sure of is that she put her life last and those of her wards first. She took on the leadership role and put her life on the line to comfort and protect the innocent passengers on the plane with her calm and collected demeanor. And remember, she was all of 22.
1: Yeah, it's crazy.
0: Just a day later, on September 7th, 1986, the Banot family was devastated when they received the body of their beloved Lado, the light of their lives, their Sherni, who was no more. She had lost her life at a hospital in Karachi, just two hours short of her 23rd birthday. Damn. Nirja was posthumously awarded the prestigious Ashok Chakra Award, which is the highest peacetime military honor in India. Okay. It's awarded for valor, courageous action, or self-sacrifice away from the battlefield. Neerja Bhanot was the first woman and the only civilian to receive the Ashok Chakra. Sounds like they were in a battlefield and behaving like like a selfless soldier. Mm -hmm. She was also awarded the Tamgha-e-Insaniyat by Pakistan for her incredible human kindness. She's the only person on planet Earth who's been awarded two awards for peace from India and Pakistan.
1: Wow, that's crazy. That's so cool. Sad but nice.
0: The U.S. Department of Justice also gave her a bravery award in 2005. I salute Nirja for her bravery. And along with that of the rest of the flight crew as well, of course. Mm -hmm. They all did their part. It was not a Mm one-person brigade. It was not just her doing everything.
1: But I think she was definitely, like, leader and a catalyst and, like, the driving force and sort of, like, keeping everyone's spirits up and focused on the task because that's why they killed her. Because they knew that, like, she was the tigress, you know, she was the...
0: She was the heart of the crew and the people at that point of 359 people that day. May India be blessed with a million more Nijas to show this world what women are capable of when push comes to shove. Hell yeah. That was our story about Pan Am Flight 73 and the heroine of the hijack, Nirja Banot. I hope listeners liked that story. What did you think, Alex?
1: What I liked about this story, which is a bit dark, yeah. Besides the heroism and this awesome person that we've just talked about, yeah. I really like that all of this happened on the ground.
0: Hmm. Why?
1: Because I just don't want to think about that when I'm flying. I don't want this happening and also have the element of being in the air.
0: I guess that's why it was really crucial that the pilots were alerted and were able to escape.
1: And that they booked it.
0: They booked it.
1: I have no problems with the the pilots getting out of there. If they have a gun against their head and they're told to fly, I think you can think you're going to act one way, but you never really know. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that I think is interesting about this story is that Like, you hopefully never in a position where you're tested, like, what are you actually made of? But these people were tested, and damn, they were made of some tough stuff. Exactly. So that's cool. Yeah. That's really cool.
0: This story is pretty famous. I've actually heard Nirja's story told on plenty of other podcasts, including My Favorite Murder. They did an episode on her, which was so great to hear. Because you never hear of South Asian cases, right? Yeah, but Neerja's story touched so many people and she's such a epitome or a model of courage yeah. and bravery mm-hmm. that people are still talking about her even today. Look at us. <laughs> She'll never be forgotten.
1: There has to be a movie about her. If there's not, that is another crime against humanity in and of itself.
0: Which brings us to Bollywood Corner. Yes, please, whoop, whoop,
1: whoop. please tell me that there are movies about this story.
0: There is a movie based on this story. Thank <laughs> God. Um, aptly named Nirja.
1: Cool. Okay. I mean, hopefully cool. I hope it's a good movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It was released in 2016 and it is an excellent movie. It tells the story in a gripping yet touching way. So you can get yeah. to know Nirja and her loving family... Um, alongside all the horrific events that took place on that day. Yeah. Okay. And oh my god, I'm gonna warn you, you're gonna be crying when you watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're a sociopath. Be... What was that wrestling movie? Dungle. Dungle. Yeah, just like Dungle. Dungle. If you don't cry <laughs> in in Dungle or when you watch yeah. Nirja, I'm sorry, you better get yourself checked. Yeah,
1: yeah. If you're wondering, watch this movie's. If you don't cry, you have your answer.
0: I was bawling. As I watched this movie, especially during those final moments when they started firing and stuff, oh, it, was, it was hard to watch. And it's a well-made movie. I'd say watch it. The actress who plays Neerja, <laughs> um this is probably the only time I will watch her on screen because I can't stand her in any other movie. Okay. She's a terrible, terrible actress, if I can say that. Okay. She did an okay job, though? She did a decent job, I think. Ninja's mother was alive while this movie was being made and she blessed it. I, I guess having that personal touch maybe motivated her to give her best as an actor. Yeah. And she did fine. Anyway, so that's the only movie I want to recommend because I don't want to take yep. away from Ninja's story and her, you know, her bravery and valor. And I really, really, really want everyone to go watch this movie because it will take you there. It will take you into the story from first scene till the end. You will okay. be gripped. Go watch it.
1: Got
0: to go check it out. Um, So that's it for our episode. You have anything else you want to talk about, Alex? Let me see. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just wanted to mention um, that we do have a Facebook group. I mean, it's not very active. I just made it as a placeholder. But if people join, maybe we could start posting there or chatting with people and stuff. I've had a few really nice, sweet messages from listeners. And we also have a subreddit. <laughs> Remember when we had our little moment with the true crime oh,
1: yeah. sub? And I got banned
0: <laughs> by the mouth.
1: Start our own.
0: I'll just keep posting on my own sub. So Desi True Crime, that's what it's called.
1: Cool. Nice.
0: Come um, to the Desi True Crime sub. You can post. If you have cases you want to post about South Asia or diaspora from South Asia, go ahead, post, chat, message. Do whatever you want. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to be that mod trying to police people over there. I have a couple of stories that, you know, I want to cover in the next few episodes, but I'm not sure on the timeline. It's summertime. Like I said, this is when we go out and live and kind of do things, go on trips. And I don't know if we'll be able to keep the two-week schedule for July or August.
1: We'll ramp up in the fall. And it gets cold and all we have to do is be inside and focus on inside stuff.
0: So yeah, you know, chill, watch movies, go out, watch TV, go on a hike, do whatever you want, go to the beach. You don't have to be indoors.
1: Please keep using hand sanitizer and covering your mouth when you cough because people here have sort of forgotten that that's like a thing.
0: Yeah, (laughs) please be safe, be safe. I've just coughed all over my mic, so I'll probably have to burn this thing now. I watched this show on Netflix. It's called Ranveer versus the Wild or Wild or something. It's this Bollywood actor who goes on a wild adventure with uh, Bear Grylls. Okay. In that show, so Ranveer and his friend, they're using like Indian words when they're talking amongst themselves. And Bear Grylls sits there and make this very somber comment. He's like, it's so cool how similar our languages are. Like you also use the same words like us. You use words in Hindi just like us, you know, like jungly and jungle and, and he was just so amused by that. And I was like, bear, excuse me. <laughs> jungle and jungly are not English words. Yeah. <laughs> excuse me. <sighs> you stole them from Hindi. The gall. That was so dumb. That was so stupid. Bear grills, I hope you're better informed now. But someone tweet him or something. Tell him "jungle" and "jungly" are not English words.
1: Yeah, let's start that. Let's let's start that <laughs> hashtag.
0: <laughs> See, this is the problem, right? This is the problem. I know our colonial white devil stole all our words
1: and then forgot.
0: Credit what credit is due. Pepper. Okay, <laughs> I just I just wanted to say colonial white devil yeah. in this episode. You know, we have to get it in. You have to get it
1: in. One per episode at yeah, least. One per minimum. Episode. It's in our contract. Check that <laughs> box.
0: We did it. We did it.
1: You want to tell people to follow the stuff? You know, it's the stuff. You gotta follow it. Our Instagram handle at crimes from the east is also our email address and website. Yes. Yes. Um, it's so easy to remember. Yeah. Crimes from the East.
0: Crimes from the East. You type it into Google and you'll find all our social handles.
1: Subscribe, like, review. Please rate us on Spotify.
0: It's very easy. It's right in the app. Go into Spotify. Click five stars
1: only. You have to listen to an episode. Support us on Patreon. Yes. And if you're in Europe, hit me up. I'll send you some stickers. I hope you like them, Alex. Oh, I am obsessed. I don't know which ones to put on my computers. Stick them all. All of
0: them. (laughs) I'll send you a bunch more. I got more made. So I'll send you more to send to any European uh, listeners that want some. Hit Alex up. Yeah. All right. Take care, everyone. And join us again next week. Well, no. Join us again at some point in the future. In a future week. (laughs) In a future week. I'm not committing to a date. Yeah. But you can join us then for another episode of Crimes from the East, your Desi True Crime podcast with a little masala and spice. Namaste. Namaste. Bye. See
1: ya.